Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Wednesday Night Unscripted uh, from Marshall and I's house or homes, uh, your guys's. Welcome to Unscripted. Marshall, Brown, right. Brown and Dunn. <laughs> uh, we are just taking a couple of extra precautions, I guess, and just being being away from each other and everything. And uh, I'm here just enjoying myself at home and Marshall's at the church, I think. And we're uh, in the storage room. In the storage room. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Uh, yeah, but no matter where we are, no matter where you guys are, uh, we're here for you guys on this Wednesday night. <laughs> so, yeah, so thank you guys for joining us. That's right. That's right. Uh, so uh, you started a new series in Isaiah uh, this past week, which is super good. If you haven't gotten to go watch it, uh, we just started the series. It's, it's going to be only three weeks, uh, but it's really cool. If you don't know anything about Isaiah, it's going to be a good crash course all the way through it and looking at some yeah. really cool Really cool things. Last week we talked about rescue. This week we're talking about, uh, what is it, Marshall? Redemption. Redemption. Yes. Uh, so you definitely need to go take advantage of that and go and see that. Uh, but tonight we're going to talk about some uh, different things, I guess. So we're just going to talk about some stuff that's on uh, Marshall and I's mind as well, uh, especially in the middle of this uh, weird and different time. Um, kind of some self-reflection uh, stuff, I guess. Yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah. So... so yeah, so um, just to kind of get the ball rolling a little bit here. So, like, I, you know, uh, I'm not sure how, how many people who are watching this know, but I know that you know that uh, for many, many years, my dad was an auctioneer, right? We had a family auction business. Mm -hmm. I don't think I ever told you, but, like, my job when I was a kid uh, was a ticket runner. So this is, like, old school. I'm sure there's – I'm sure they would do it all by iPads and stuff like that nowadays. <laughs> Uh, but my grandma had a clipboard and had this little book of, you know, like, like at a, like at a, at a diner, you know, you write down people's order and yeah. carbon copy, you know, that, yeah. so she that and whatever my dad was selling, she'd write down a quick description of it, what it sold for and, and the, the person's number that bought it. And when she get like four or five of those, my job, she would tear those off, hand them to me. I'd run them back to, um, the cashier. And they very, would, very they primitive would way of on. working. What? <laughs> it's a very primitive way of working. Yes. Well, we, we advanced things uh, because we added a computer system to the cashier place, but it was still, you know, mm. pen and paper, like tickets to take there. Anyway, I was a ticket runner. Uh, and that was really like, as far as the, the job description goes, uh, you know, if I was to describe to somebody, Hey, what's a ticket runner in an auction business? Um, it's a little kid that they're trying to keep occupied and out of trouble for a few hours while they're having this auction. So he takes a handful of these tickets and runs them back and forth. That's, that's pretty much, you know, and my dad would pay me a little bit of money and I'd get free Cokes and hot dogs at the concession stand. So, you know, but that was, that was the job description. Go get tickets. Don't let them get, you know, don't let grandma get more than four or five or she starts getting upset. So you gotta, you gotta stay on it. So See, anyway, I like, I like that about your job description though, is because your job description is get runner and that's exactly what you do. Like yeah. there's some, there's some Walmart jobs when I'm asking, they're like, you know, I'm, I'm up in the, the sales department of this. Like, I don't really know yeah. what you do, but that's easy to understand. That's easy to yeah. get. <laughs> so I know that when you were in high school, you had a job, you were like the frozen yogurt king or something like that. Yeah. They called me the kingpin of frozen yogurt in Conrad, Texas. <laughs> yes. 
So what, yeah. was the, what was that job? Yeah. Well, in high school, I had a couple of different jobs. Uh, and I was so proud of myself because there was this one job when I was like a grease monkey, like working in this garage for this friend of my dad's. And he's like, you know, working on mowers and coming home greasy, feeling super masculine. Uh, in my junior and senior year, I worked as a worker bee for Chiller Bee Frozen Yogurt in Conrad, Texas. Chili Bee? Chiller. Killer bee. Killer bee. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, but so I guess technically my job title was uh, worker bee uh, because oh, I'm like getting a little ashamed of myself right now. But uh, <laughs> we, the job description, uh, like literally, uh, um, um, well, let me just tell you. So we had a, uh, it's one of those self-serve places where you go and you, you know, fill up a cup with a certain amount. And then at the end, it's like you pay by weight. I don't even right. know if we have any of those places around here. Oh yeah. TCBY is like that. Yum Yo's is like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so. same thing. Uh, so we had a tip jar right next to it. And yeah. literally the only thing that me and my friends did, and that's be like, that was one of the big reasons I took that job too, is because it was a whole bunch of my buddies. So we're watching you know, football games and just sitting there picking that guitar, like, <laughs> anyway, so I just press a button. And like, that was my whole job, man. <laughs> like I'm getting paid $11 an hour and they, they do all the work. Yeah. Put the thing down and go, beep. All right. That'll be, you know, $13 for your three ice creams. Yeah. And they hand me the money and then I sit back down and that's it. Yeah. That was my, that was my only goal though. So yeah, I had to go refill things and stuff right there, but like, as far as like my main thing, it was like talking with customers and making them feel comfortable and pressing that one button to make sure that we got paid. Yeah. And that was it. That was the only, that was the only goal. Yeah. I know like I've seen some of the job training or job description kind of stuff. Well, even my nephew is working for Chick-fil-A. Hmm. Like the whole process, like you have to learn not just like how to push buttons on the cash register, but the whole like saying my pleasure and I, how you engage like there's a whole process to it and you have to know ahead of time like if you're going to work this job here's this list of things you got to get done you know yeah and the whole you know i <laughs> the whole reason i bring it up is because like ticket runners there wasn't a whole lot of job description that go get tickets go take them back to the cashier repeat you know yep. with your with your yogurt job uh push buttons and talk with customers clean up spilled yogurt yep um but when you think about like job description is probably not the right word, but, but when you think about what we are called to do as Christians, like what is the, um, what, what's the requirements? What's the, what's the, um, it's not the resume, but what is it that, that if I want to choose this, you know, what, what choose this lifestyle, what, what's my, what's my job? What is it that I'm supposed to do? And like, there's part of that that's, I mean, it's, it's um, self, self-beneficial, I guess, because, I mean, it's salvation for me. It's, it's uh, God blessing me. It's having this amazing life. It's being connected with him and with other people. Like, there's a lot of good stuff. And even when we talk with other people about Christianity, that's a lot of what we focus on. But there's this one aspect, and, and you mentioned this um, earlier, and, I, and so I kind of want to toss it back to you, but there's this, this, um, element of um, Christianity that you see throughout Scripture that I don't know, and I don't, I don't mean this in a in a condescending or, or guilt-invoking way. Just more, just kind of asking myself, like I don't know how 
um, what kind of, what kind of, um, grade or, mm. or, uh, I don't know how, how our, our, how are we doing our, at the job on this particular part of the job? And that's evangelism. I mean, we yeah. don't even like that word. That sounds like such a, such a churchy word, but just, you know, yeah. sharing our faith, sharing our story, trying to help somebody else who doesn't have faith at least get on the journey, uh, to having a faith themselves. And that's something that I think, um, I wouldn't say all Christians, but especially more often than not, Christians, especially in our culture nowadays, at least in our American culture, um, we struggle with. And, and I know that's a really broad blanket statement, but I really think that if you could put numbers to it, I think, you know, look at the, look at the number of, of declining and closing churches before all the COVID stuff hit. I mean, you know, churches that were shutting down and people that just aren't, don't want anything to do with Christianity anymore. That can't just be a cultural thing that some of that response, that burden of responsibility has to be on us for not doing what yeah. is in our job description. Like, and we kind of wanted me personally, I kind of want to get around a little bit, but it's pretty, it's pretty clear. Like one of the last things Jesus said was, Hey, go make more disciples. Like it's all, I'm, I'm glad you're in this relationship with me and I'll go pull somebody else in. <laughs> and, that's a struggle for us. Yeah. And I know that's, you know, that's something you've been thinking about just, you know, why you think that is. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's just interesting because if we're talking about our job as Christians, so, you know, your auctioneer job and my chiller B job, it's like, there is a certain expectation, something that you sign up for and say, okay, but at the end of the day, this is exactly what you need to have done. Right. It'll be good. Uh, and it's, it's it's similar similar in Christianity because there is a uh, it's like you were saying a personal personal aspect as far as like that's what Jesus says is that man what are you know what's the whole point of the whole Bible so that we can love God and love other people so right. a a part of our job description is that we we need to be able to fall in love with our God because of the way he he's fallen in love with us and and has sent his son to sacrifice sacrifice that we can have a relationship with him and we have to love other people. Okay, well, that's two big parts of it. And just like you said, at the very, at the very end of uh, Matthew in chapter 28, uh, you know, talk about last words, talk about famous last words. His words are, hey, guess what? Uh, you know, all authority in heaven has been given to me. And right before he starts rising up into heaven again, he's like, now I want you to go into all nations, baptizing, making disciples in my name, teaching them to obey the law. And it's like, yeah. okay, he leaves. And it's not a, uh, it's funny because it's not a, uh, you know, as he's going up, he's saying, okay, guys, like, if you have time, like, you know, it'd be great if you went and talked to people about me. Like, yeah. you know, it's, it's a go and make disciples of all nations. And it's, it's yeah. a command. And I think that's, that's hard for Christians, too, because in 2020, there are so many reasons why we shouldn't evangelize or, or we, we're hesitant to. There's a lot of reasons why. Uh, and I think, I, I don't know, I think, and so, um, you're prompted, prompted by this discussion and by the, all of this, uh, there was a, uh, article on, um, Relevant Magazine that was posted in, oh, it looks like it was 2014, so this is a little, little ways ago, um, but it was posted again, it was on my feed, and I really, really liked it, um, it's called, uh, Bad Reasons Not to Evangelize, Bad Reasons Not to Evangelize. Okay. Uh, and it kind of points out points out those things. And uh, so I was like, if I'm choosing not to evangelize and I'm looking for justification, these are bad justifications. Yes. 
<laughs> and it's cool. And it's cool because I really like, and this is kind of what I wanted to, you know, where, where you and I wanted to land and stuff today as far as like, okay, here's a good, like, here's, here's a reason that we don't. Uh, and here's the justification on why we decide that's right and that's okay. But here's the ultimate goal of what, what we're not accomplishing. It's ultimately not, not a good enough reason not to evangelize. Right. Um, so I don't know where, where, where do you think we should start Marshall? <laughs> you know, just, there's, there's so many reasons. We can kind of just jump in. I mean, I think ultimately the, 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 the overriding, uh, the overriding, um, I don't know if it's a, I, I guess it would be an emotion, but that doesn't seem right. But the kind of the overriding, um, issue, uh, really boils down to, to fear. Now, now it's a lot, it's, there's several different things that we can be afraid of, but it really boils down, I think, to just, I'm just scared of, you know, and, and we can talk more about this. Like, what is it that I'm truly scared of? But it really boils down to just, I'm, I'm afraid for whatever reason, you know? So I, I think if we can be honest about, you know, there's some things, I mean, it's like anything else in life. There's things that I'm afraid of that you're not. There's things that you're afraid of that I'm not, but that, does, but we both deal with fear, you know, yeah. uh, there's, there's, uh, even with the, even with the COVID stuff, there's different people that fear different aspects of, you know, COVID. Well, you may be right. I may, you know, we, we both got reasons to fear, although those reasons may be different the overall, Mm-hmm. Um, issue is I'm afraid of yeah. blank. You know what I'm saying? So I think with, when we when we talk about like evangelism and and sharing our story, sharing our faith, and why we don't do that, I think with everything that you and I end up talking about for the next few minutes, that's kind of going to be in the background the whole time. I'm just I'm yeah I'm afraid of filling the blank. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that it's one of those hot topics that nobody wants to talk about. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, just because uh, I was telling you about this earlier and stuff. Uh, Morgan and her profession, she's a, a, a um, uh, an RN at the in, in the emergency room in Arkansas Children's. Um, but so, like, her job kind of happens without question. Uh, so she says, "Hey, we need to set an arm this way. Like, you know, set a broken arm this way. It's happening. Hey, we need to set you up with this IV. Okay, sounds good. This medicine, con- you know, contradicts this, so we're going to give you this instead. Sounds good." Uh, and whenever she tells me about her job, I'm none the wiser. Like she could be, she could be telling me that she did everything wrong today, but I'm like, yeah, you know, good. You're a good nurse. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> and she's like, no, I did it wrong. And that's something that it's like in each of our professions, everybody that's watching this, we all have different stuff. You know, if we were to tell somebody about it or something that we did, we'd kind of have like this, uh, uh, overarching, like, okay. Like I kind of understand what they get. But whenever you start talking about Christianity, whenever you start talking about religion and spirituality, everybody on the face of the planet has some form of an opinion of yeah. what that looks like. Uh, and even if they don't have an opinion on that topic specifically, they do have an opinion on the people that they know that are Christians or are uh, said that they're Christians but did other things and stuff like yeah. that. And so we don't, we don't want to open that bag because every single person has something to say about it. And we're not for sure exactly how they're going to react. Yeah. They could, yeah. They could be really uh, engaged in whatever it is that we're saying. They might even agree with what we're saying, or they could be vehemently opposed <laughs> to what we're yeah. saying. And, and that just creates another set of issues too. Yeah. yeah. 
Morgan, uh, I, I've, I've got a copy of that article that you were talking about. And that's one of the things he, that he talks about here is like, we, we're afraid of, of just, we're afraid of the confrontation. We're afraid yeah. of controversy. We're afraid of having um, a difference of opinion, which is an issue in our culture. Yeah. I think nowadays, anyway, it, it, it's almost like you fall into one or two camps. So like you really don't care uh, what other people think about your opinion. You're just so, you know, I'm just going to speak and I'm like, yep. you, can, you can either agree with me or be wrong, but you know, or you're so the opposite where you're so fearful about how people are going to view you um, and how they might treat you different based on whether or not they, you know, agree with you that you just don't want to say anything. I don't want, I don't want to find out that we might have a difference of opinion. So I'm not even going <laughs> to, I'm not even going to say anything about it. Yeah. And I don't know, from those two viewpoints, where do you think uh, Christians in general would fall? Nowadays, uh, we, we shrink back, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and part of that is, is because it's so, uh, it's not even anti-cultural now. It's, it's even anti, um, some of the stuff comes across as anti, uh, uh, almost anti like illegal in a way, yes. you know, if I have, uh, if I have opinions about, you know, because of my faith about abortion, about homosexuality, suddenly it's not just, you have a different opinion than I do. It's you're a bigot. You're, yep. you're, you know, I could potentially bring charges against you for things that you're saying. And that may not be accurate, but that's how we're made to feel nowadays. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and in our, um, in our workplaces, there's so much about, you know, you can't share your faith in your workplace. You can't talk about religion in your workplace and anything that comes close to it. Like <laughs> we're so afraid, I, I, like most of the workplace rules are don't try to evangelize somebody else while you're at work. Okay. Sure. What if somebody says, Hey man, what'd y'all do at church on Sunday? And I just tell them what we did at church on Sunday. Well, some people are like, ah, now you're, now you're causing this, a disruptive workplace. No, I'm, yeah. not, I'm answering a question, you know, but we're so fearful yep. of breaking the rules or, or legal trouble or just being labeled by people. I, so I don't even want to come close to that. So I, mm -hmm. I get as far away from that as possible. So I'm not going to say anything. Does that make yeah. sense? And that's, that's me too. And, and just because that's my that's my default is to stuff a lot of my feelings uh, and to avoid conflict at all costs. That's me. Avoid conflict at all costs. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I'll say nothing at all about what 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 I believe about Jesus, the life changing power of the Holy Spirit that's inside of me. Yeah. Is it like do my you know closest friends like know that about me or yeah. like feel you know like isn't that isn't that interesting like the one the biggest thing if we really believe that this stuff is true which we do uh the biggest thing that could ever happen in our lives is to have a relationship with jesus christ that he saves us from ourselves like you're talking about last week of rescue he saves us from these dark places and stuff yeah uh but i'm so afraid to talk to other people about that that uh the biggest thing that's happened in my life I'll bury it and not tell anybody. It's like winning the lottery yeah, and not posting about it on social media and burying it in your backyard. But even like when people go, Hey, did you win the lottery? Uh, I don't think so. 
yeah, yeah. See, it's not it's not even like a yes or no. It's like uh, uh, I mean, like I go to church. What do you mean by like, win the lottery? I don't, you know. I made a couple of bucks this week. Like, <laughs> There's some money that ended up in my account. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the that's the hard part too. And this is this is where this is where uh, it, it's a personal thing for me and stuff too. Is like, okay, you know, what about my what about my family members that I love so dearly, but I know don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Um, what about my closest friends or coworkers and stuff that we that we hang out and we've got this particular relationship, uh, and I've got this you know up and down horizontal relationship and stuff with God or vertical relationship with God. Yeah. Um, but like I'm not, I don't know. Somebody, somebody once told me that man, if we really love and care about our friends and family, then we want to offer them the, the thing that will offer the biggest hope, the biggest joy, ultimate salvation and stuff. And we want to offer that, but man, that's so hard because we were, we value comfort more than we value controversy. Yeah. Um, we value us being okay and like being all right in our relationship Mm-hmm. And we do willing to, uh, to move things around a little bit. Well, to, uh, it comes down to we'd rather be comfortable than truthful. Like we like yeah. we would rather make sure everybody gets along uh, than than actually be honest, you know, about our faith. So, so well, let me ask you this: Do you think? Because um, talking about like you know, kind of the fear and and us backing off of that. Do you think that there is any? Um, validity to the feeling of of like being ashamed yeah um of our faith and that that seems weird i don't feel like i'm ashamed of jesus i feel like if i ever struggle it's not it's not necessarily out of a sense of shame uh but more out of a sense of of like we've already said you know fear of of maybe even pushing other people away instead of drawing them in i'm not sure but then i started trying to think about, well, maybe I am, maybe I am embarrassed a little bit. Maybe I am a little bit ashamed, you know, yeah. and, and ashamed seems like such a harsh word. Yeah. Um, but, but I know like Jesus, man, uh, this is, I'm, I'm, I hate doing this. Um, it says in there somewhere. I hate that. It says in there somewhere. I'm almost positive it's Luke. I, I can look it up later, but where Jesus says, Hey, if anybody's ashamed of me um, on this earth, the father's going to be ashamed of him, you know, on the judgment oh. day. Like, that's scary, man. Yeah. So, okay. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. That's, that's too harsh a word there. Don't Jesus. say that. Yeah. But what do you, I, I mean, that's a little bit different take. Like, are we embarrassed of our faith? Uh, not just fearful of controversy in general, but do we almost, um, I mean, you see how like, I'm interrupting myself. You see how like sitcoms and, you know, even like adult cartoon TV shows will, will um, just spoof on religion, specifically Christianity um, to the point where, and, and, you know, it's funny and people laugh and, and there's so many people like, yeah, that's exactly what Christians are like. And I'm over there going, eh, not, to-, but if that's what people think of Christianity, am I a little bit embarrassed by that? You know? Yeah. Maybe. Well, I'm wondering too, cause I'm trying to, I'm trying to parse that out in my own life. You know, if, if there's shame, if there's shame there, and I think that's like our second topic as far as like, we're fearful. And so this one would be, okay, we don't share because we're ashamed. Right. And so am I, am I ashamed of 
Jesus and who I believe Jesus is, or am I ashamed of Christians? Because um, oh, and that's that's a good point. Because I think those are two those are two <laughs> unscripted, right? I think those are two different things. Because like, for sure, I think a lot of people would look at Jesus and uh, you know put aside the stuff where he says that he's the Son of God. You know, he you know all of that. Jesus is a good teacher. Uh, for him to say stuff like, uh, you know, the ultimate life is you sacrificing and giving and giving your life towards noble causes, giving your life for others in, in servanthood. Everybody's like, yeah, that sounds great. Let's do that. Yep. Um, but like, so I'm not ashamed of that, but I am ashamed of what churches have done in the past. And I am ashamed of what churches are known for as far as being homophobic, hypocritical, judgmental, guilt-inducing places. So here's a, here's, a, here's a place where Jesus is there with his arms open, just like uh, in John 8 to this, this sinful woman that's caught in adultery and stuff. Everybody's ready to uh, just shame her, and she's filled with shame and everything like that. And Jesus is here, and he's got his arms open, and he says, man, this is a place of mercy, this is a place of grace, forgiveness. Uh, and if anybody is for you, it's me. If anybody wants you to be okay, it's me. That's what Jesus is saying. Uh, yeah. But it seems like the churches are the ones that are the ones that are throwing stones. So yeah. we're we're the ones that are quick to uh, quick to point out flaws. We're the ones that are quick to say that you you are in the wrong and you need to get that right before you can come back to church. Or well, I, I want to I want to tread lightly here. Do it. <laughs> I hope. Uh, well, so part of the, when you think about some of the controversy going on right now, as far as just kind of some of the racial tension that's been brought to the forefront again, sure. uh, and, and rightfully so, um, over the last few months, there's a struggle that I personally have sometimes because, because I don't deny um, that there has been or continues to be racism. I don't. I don't deny that at all. And, and even down here in the South, I mean, I grew up, you know, I'm a Southern kid. I mean, I, I grew up in the South uh, and I can't say that I've never had any kind of racial thoughts or, or even Those statements, are upbringing. But, but I'm not a slave owner and I don't think there should be, <laughs> you know, I think it's bad. And I think that the stuff that, is, that, that <laughs> the documented things that, that, have come to the forefront and, and at least for me in in recent times of how people of a different skin color continually are discriminated against. It's awful. And I hate that. I'm not doing those things, but I'm a white Southerner. Yep. So there's automatically people who are going to have that assumption about me, you know, when, when that's not necessarily who I am. Okay. I hope I didn't say anything too controversial there. I think the same, it's not, it's not completely apples to apples, but I think the same principle, what you're talking about with Christianity, has the church done some damaging things over the years, over the centuries? Absolutely. Within the last decade. Yup. You know, like people who wear the name of Jesus have done some really hurtful things where this racism, there's been uh, pastors with sexual abuse. There's been, uh, financial scandals. Yep. I mean, just all sorts of stuff. And it's, you're right. It's true. But I don't want to be, you know, just because me and that person say we believe in the same thing 
I don't want to be looped into yeah. <laughs> that category, but I'm so afraid that I will be that I, to, I, I love the way you said it. I'm not necessarily embarrassed of Christ as much as I am other Christians. And yeah. quite honestly, there may be other Christians who are embarrassed of me. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that may be the bigger struggle is it's not necessarily embarrassed of our faith or who we believe in. We may be embarrassed either of ourselves uh, or these other people who, who claim to believe the same things that we do. Yeah. And I don't know, just thinking about thinking about why that's bad, like why that's a bad excuse. Um, Cause I mean, that's, that's real. There's many of us that are in our workplaces, at least before all this, uh, in our workplaces and in our communities and stuff that um, that's the last thing you want to talk about because of, because of the shame that comes from that and stuff too. Uh, and um, you know, Paul says in Romans 1 16, and he says, man, I, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I will not, I refuse to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And he says, you know, whether that's for the Gentiles or the Greeks or the Romans, whoever it is like that is, that's who I'm going to be. Like I'm, I'm going to be for Christ no matter what. I'm never going to be ashamed of those things. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's kind of where we have to, where we have to get to of if we're constantly feeling ourselves, uh, feeling shame, of just bearing the Christian name, which that's what Christian means. It means little Christ. Like that's what we have to be, our little little versions of Christ. Yeah. Uh, and so like if that's what Christianity means to this person, like I want to be ashamed enough to say like, man, I'm so sorry that you, or I want to be unashamed enough to be able to say, man, like to, to hear people vent about what, what Christians really are uh, yeah. and then to be the token child, I guess, or the token Christian that, display something that's different yeah. uh, because if we constantly tell ourselves man i'm you know i'm just too ashamed of this that i'm not going to tell anybody about this nobody nobody's ever going to hear the good news because we're so embarrassed with ourselves that we're uh deciding like i'm not even going to show jesus to anybody at all it's just yeah. it's just going to be me trying to figure it out yeah yeah i think i think another struggle uh for us maybe this isn't um I'm veering a little bit away from the, from the fear part, I sure. guess. Um, is that dangerous? <laughs> I think no. another struggle for us is, is um, we don't have a lot of us that are, that are Christians and consistent uh, churchgoers. And I don't mean like uh, that. That's a broad spectrum. Yeah. You know, I consider anybody that comes every time the doors are open to like once or twice a month, but this is their church home. Y'all are like, you're a consistent churchgoer. So just know that's a broad brush I'm painting that that with. But um, those of us who, who are Christians and are, you know, church folks, can, and we go to church quite often, I don't know how big our circle of unchurched friends is. Ooh. And that may be part of the issue of why we don't evangelize because the most most of the people that we spend the bulk of our time around already have, you know, that, that connection, that, that same faith. Now there may be different levels of that faith and different amounts of knowledge and, and all that kind of stuff, but we all, you know, my circle, we all kind of believe in Jesus. And so how am I going to tell them something that they don't already know? Yeah. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Well, I think it's interesting too. Um, if I'll just paint paint a very uh, plain picture of my circle, I mean, I'm hanging out with you every day, uh, hanging out with the interns, you know. And so, like, 
they, we're in like Bible college. Like we all went to like <laughs> Jesus college, you know, yeah. like we went to Harding. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, my job is and your job too, focuses around people that have some kind of knowledge of faith. People right. that are coming, coming to church, uh, checkups on people, going to see people that are sick, uh, making, making wellness calls, all of that stuff, doing that. And I think of like, man, if I really wanted to, uh, I could, I could be pretty confident that there are zero people in my life that I could have. And I think that's just so, that's so sad. Um, because I think that's, that's a level of comfort that we can accept. Um, but I mean, you and I were talking, maybe this was a year ago or something like that of you and I both wanting to broaden our circles, uh, to, to, actively pray and ask God to reveal those people to us and to introduce, introduce people like that to us, not as a, um, as a mission, as here's somebody that you need to go and tell about the gospel, but do I even know people that don't have the life changing power of the gospel? Do I know that? And if we don't, well, why is that? Are you, are you comfortable? Uh, are you going through the motions? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. So, well, and, and, you know, then you get to the struggle. Okay, well, where do I go find them? You know, how yeah. do I do that? And, and you don't want to, I mean, here, I'm already rationalizing. I don't know where to find them. And then, and then the next thing is, well, I don't know, like, I don't want to, I don't want to think that the only one, the only reason I want to be friends with them is because I want to convert them. And so, I, you know, there's part of this, um, I'll just be brutally honest. There's part of, when you read through Acts and you read through Paul and Peter's letters and they're talking about sharing their faith and like, man, it seems a whole lot easier back in that time because there weren't like, this is new. Like you literally were converting people who didn't know about Jesus. Yeah. No complete no And people who didn't know anything about the church, maybe some had, you know, by the time Paul gets to some of these places, they had heard some of that, at least the, the people in the Jewish circles had, but still pretty uncharted territory you know pretty pretty fresh soil that you're tilling through there um and even missionaries nowadays have a little bit of that now there's a much broader awareness globally of just some type of christianity uh but still man you go into some of these countries and and like it's it's fertile ground it's like there are people who uh this is brand new they haven't heard this before in our culture um, especially down here, you know, in the Bible Belt, in the South. I mean, how many how many churches are there are there in the in the two cities of Rogers and Bentonville? I mean, is is a hundred? Is that lowballing it? I feel like that'd be lowballing it. Yeah, and so a city of a hundred thousand total. I mean, so everybody has an awareness now. Not everybody goes to church, obviously. If you look at the population, then the number of people that actually you know have regular church attendance that it doesn't match up but there's at least an awareness and there's already some preconceived ideas even of unchurched people they've already been they've either experienced a negative church experience or a negative experience with with christian people uh or they've just been told about you know christians and watching out for them um ahead of time so so um there's at least this this already um either awareness or preconceived idea of Christianity that you have to deal with. It's not a brand new story, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, The, the, the new story for, for us and what we share is like, no matter what your past experience with church people is and with Jesus is, 
let me show you how awesome it is. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And that's kind of hard to do. Um, and, it, and, and until you start building relationships with people outside of your Christian circle, yeah. um, you know, who are you going to convert? Yeah. And I'm not saying church is bad. I'm not saying like, like part of what you and I do is to, is to, is to hopefully uh, keep feeding the people who are connected, who are connected to, to church and to God and keep making that, that faith stronger. But again, we're just talking about this one part of our Christian job description that seems to fall by the wayside for a lot of us. Uh, and, and one of the reasons, one of the main reasons maybe we don't have anybody um, to evangelize. We don't go door knocking anymore. And I'm not suggesting that we do because I think that's, Archaic practice now, unfortunately. Yeah, I think that would that would cause more problems than than create more benefits. But we're not in the mood to try anything. Um, yeah. And and, um, and I think part of that reason we we mentioned a couple. You know, you know, the fear of the controversy and, and the fear of, or I guess the shame, shame. Of being embarrassed of other Christians. But also, like, how big's your circle? How big? How, how many unchurched people do I actually know? Uh, just to like wrap wrap that up, I think uh, trying to be, I don't know, I don't want this to be a catch-all answer. Answer, <laughs> um, but I think I think it would be very beneficial for each of us to take a census, to take an inventory of the circles that we're a part of, whether that's the PTA or this uh, this particular soccer team or uh, the neighborhood neighborhood watch or that one Facebook group that, uh, you know, all the Chihuahua lovers are on or whatever that you're on there and stuff like take a, take a census and inventory and look and say like, man, maybe I just either like, maybe I haven't been looking hard enough to know. And if that's really true, if you really, I mean, I mean, I feel like, you know, for a lot of church people and stuff like, you know, you're going to hang out with the people that, are uh you know like like-minded and stuff we want to you know, talk about comfort we want to be with people that are like-minded like us that believe in the same savior that we believe in right so why don't we, we need people like that i'm not denying like we yeah need yeah and we have to have a court jesus he he had 12 disciples that they were all all in to the stuff that he was doing and the stuff that right. he was seeing. yeah they didn't get it all the time but they were like a core foundation yeah. but where did jesus find himself all of the time it was with them outside of his of these circles though right. he was he was there with these guys as a core as a core place but he was always going out and actively seeking those people mm-hmm. and seeking to love them and form relationships with them not seeking to throw his <laughs> the gospel of his name down their throats right he's offering life he's offering hope he's offering forgiveness and grace and mercy and so i think that's what we can do too if we don't have those people Let's take a take a census or an inventory and see if we just have purposefully not been letting ourselves see those people, mm-hmm. or two, pray that those people will enter our life. Uh, because if that's something that God has called us to do, is to go and make disciples and do and do stuff like that. Maybe it's your neighbor and you literally just haven't, you know, they're not a part of your circle yet because you haven't even gone and said more than howdy neighbor, your yard looks good, and that's it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well. I, I've heard I heard another speaker one time just even just say, like right now, just take out a pen and paper. Can you write down the names of five people, just five people that you know, not just um, I see them at the other end of the bleachers when our kids are playing out there on the field or whatever, but like you actually have friendship with uh, that you would actually go to dinner with or you know sit at the bar with or 
go yeah. on, you know, out to the lake or whatever with that are unchurched that, that don't have, first of all, don't have a church home. Second of all, may not have any faith at all. Um, can you even name five people? And if you yeah. can't like, like again, not to get onto you, but just that may be part of the issue. Why I'm struggling with fulfilling this part of my job description, my mission is because I'm not engaging in everyday life with the people who don't have this. I'm nope. only surrounding myself with the people and spending the bulk of my time and building relationships with the people who already believe what I do. Hmm. So yeah. man, that is, I'm just jumping up and down all over my own toes. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about that. Yeah. Because well, you're also talking about like, like how, I mean, it's hard in our culture, at least, you know, to, to build relationships with people, uh, <laughs> with unchurched people, with, with the job title that we have. As soon as you tell somebody, you know, I'm a minister, I'm a pastor, I'm, pick your title, whatever you want to call it. Man, I mean, attitudes yeah. change immediately. It, like, it, whatever, whatever ease of conversation there was before they knew what your title was. Done. Totally gone. And it happens 99.9% .9 of the time, man. Like, yeah, just Morgan, Morgan was having a conversation with one of her coworkers like a year and a half or two ago, and they were just talking about stuff. Uh, and then it worked itself in a conversation that I was a youth minister at the church. And this friend of Morgan's was like, wait, you're married to like a minister, like a pastor? She's like, yeah. <laughs> she said, this friend said, I, oh, like, I thought you were cool. And Morgan was like, <laughs> I am cool. Like, it's just so, it's so funny because it's, uh, and I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess that goes back to what we were talking about at the very beginning of that. Everybody has something they think about uh, or conglomeration of things or baggage, even whenever you talk about Christianity and, and who you are and what you believe and stuff like that. Yeah, it's our goal to be able to not only be willing to share that information, but also be willing to act like Jesus in those situations too. Of like, okay, you know, I have those uh, those bracelets of like, you know, what would what would Jesus do? Okay, what would Jesus do in all of these different circles that we were talking about? Um, what would Jesus do in that situation between Morgan and this friend? Uh, well, Jesus's um, standard at all times is going to be love. So. Yeah. You're not going to be like, yeah, okay, now, you know, you didn't know this this about me for a really long time, and you've been telling me about all these sinful things that you've been doing, blah, blah, blah. So now, since you know that I'm married to a pastor, all those things that you've been doing, like, let me tell you all, like, <laughs> our our job is to do, and I, I praise Morgan for this, is that she's like, I don't think of you any different. Like, I, I, I love you the same that I did earlier. And like, I'm going to advocate for you and I'm going to want the best for you this whole time. And like, yeah, there, that relationship's door is open now, which is interesting. It's yeah. open where if that person ever, ever wants to ask a question, they, they know which uh, side that Morgan has chosen. They know which that Morgan has decided to camp out. Yeah. So. But to your point, I mean, even with what you're talking about with Morgan there, she's building the connection. Exactly. You know, in a relationship already. And and it wasn't her goal, you know, I'm going to walk into this hospital and I'm going to see who I can build a friendship with so I can evangelize them. That's not the, I don't think that's necessarily the goal to, to approach it with either. No. But, but also at least to have that in mind, you know, and that's, I think, I think, again, 
I can rationalize that enough for, well, I just want to build this friendship. I just want to build this relationship that I, <laughs> I don't even bother. Yep. Uh, sharing my faith or, or even if they're dealing with something to go, Hey man, I've, I've dealt with that. And here's how my faith brought me through it. Here's how my belief in what Jesus in, in, in the truth of what Jesus said, here's how that got me through this relationship issue or this financial issue or this here's because I believe in God, I'm praying about this. And, and yep. what I think is going to happen because of that, you know, using, even just using those opportunities. I mean, we back off of that all the time. Yeah. So, Isn't it funny? And I know we're running out of time. Uh, and just so everybody knows, we had a couple, like more, a lot more stuff that we want to talk about too. This is just, yeah. it's an interesting topic. Um, and maybe we could do that next time. I don't know, uh, kind of go through those things a little bit more, but just, just to what you were saying and stuff too, isn't it just, just so interesting how we can have these people that are so close to us that are, um, are struggling with things. Um, and we either, we've been through those things ourselves, ourselves, or we, we know where to point them as far as peace and life and love. We know to point them to the savior um, but we're too ashamed, uh, and we, we're too afraid to make waves. Uh, and so we allow some of our, our, our best friends and family members to suffer because we are too fearful. Yeah. Um, and that's not stepping on any toes. That's, I, I just wish that wasn't, I wish that wasn't the case. Cause right. like, like you and I both talked about, like we, if you've got, if you've got a life raft, if you've got, you know, one of those circle buoy things or whatever, whatever those are yeah. called, circle. If you've got one of those. Life preserver. Life preserver. That's a good word. <laughs> if you have one of those and you have the opportunity to throw it to somebody and you don't, like, that's not loving them. That's, like, turning blind eyes. That's yeah. uh, not loving them. Yeah, like, it's almost the most unloving thing you could do. Right. So letting them suffer out there by themselves in the waves, like, uh, I don't know. It's, it's hurting me too. Cause I know the people I've done that too. So. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I th along the same lines, um, you know, just one scripture that I wanted to hit on um, along that same line is when Jesus in John chapter eight, you already mentioned the story they had with the, with the, um, the woman who's caught in adultery, but mm -hmm. the rest of that chapter, man, it's, he's having this, really harsh conversation with religious people who just will not allow themselves to be convinced that he is who he says he is. Which and is valid. Like, huh? That's valid. Like yeah. somebody comes up and says they're the son of God and even does miracles and stuff. Yeah. A little. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's a really, um, um, I mean, J Jesus says some really accusatory things towards them. <laughs> Well, he's not, like they're accusing him of stuff and he's firing right back. Like it's yeah. a really um, harsh conversation that they're having. Anyway, in John eight and verse 24, um, he's telling these people, I told you that you would die in your sins. If you don't believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. And like, there's no gray area there, man. Like it's either you believe in me or you don't. And if you don't, then you're going to be lost in your sins. And like the question that I have to, that I have to wrestle with is, do I actually believe that that's true? Am I convinced of it? Hmm. Um, not just for myself, but for mankind as a whole, Jesus isn't talking about himself here. He's not saying like, I, I'm going to make sure to stay sinless because I don't want to die in my sins. He's looking at these other people and going, look, if you don't believe you're going to die in your sins, do I believe 
kind of what you're hinting at a minute ago. Do I believe that my neighbors, coworkers, people with the same, you know, other band parents, I mean, are there people that I'm around that I know don't have faith and don't believe in Jesus? Am I convinced that if that doesn't change, Hmm. they're going to be lost? Do I even really, am I really convinced that there is a heaven and a hell and there are consequences? Because I can rationalize. I can sit there and go, "Ah," you know, but that's harsh, man. I mean, God loves everybody, right? Somebody else will talk to them. Somebody better. They're wrong. And they might, if I tell them they're wrong, then they can point out things that I'm wrong about. You're exactly right. I do a lot of things wrong myself. I've got a savior that washes me clean. Mm. They don't. Am I convinced that that's true? And that's, I mean, until I'm convicted by it myself and convinced how, um, how true that is and how, you know, just how, concrete of a fact that is then i'm not going to be passionate about sharing my faith because i'm not really totally convinced myself and and we don't articulate it that way but that's really you know part of our struggle is that we're not we're not fully convinced that the consequences are as dire as those those preachers banging on podiums back in the 50s tried to tell us yeah you know yeah there was, uh, it's, it's a quote, and it's not in the Bible, from some theologian or something like that. I'm not going to lie. It's on my Pinterest board here on my phone, so I'd have to look it up. And that's just, that's it. Uh, but he said, man, I think we... The gospel we, according to Pinterest. <laughs> so what'd you say? The gospel according to Pinterest. That's right. That's where I get all of my deep theology uh, knowledge. Um, there. I'm, not, I'm not knocking. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, I, I wish I could attribute the quote right now, but it was basically, we don't, we don't know severity of our sins until we realize that the literal son of God had to die so that we could be saved of those things. Yeah. We don't realize the severity of, of what our sin really means when we realize that, like, the life of the living God and had to be sacrificed. And I kind of, I kind of wish, I don't know, we're kind of going on a tangent here, but I kind of wish we lived back in the time of uh, the the Pentateuch. So the very first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, um, and even Jesus time, because there was animal sacrifices. If I sinned and made, and and, uh, did something that was wrong. Something. Yeah. uh, The price was the life of something that was very costly. uh, Yeah part of your livelihood yeah. uh, a, a lamb or a bull or a sheep or a goat something with monetary value that you had been raising for a year and taking care of that mm-hmm. had monetary value that its life had to be spilled out onto the ground because you lied to the cashier yesterday yeah like and that's where jesus comes in all the all time is that i think the reason that we we don't care enough is because we don't think that our sin is that big of a deal right but Here's why it's a big deal. It's a big deal because the only way to take care of that was for God to send his only son to die on a cross. (laughs) That's how big of a deal it is. It cost a life. Yeah. And and not just, not just a life because that's, that's one thing. It costs everything. Everything. Yeah. So, you know, I I think, um, first of all, for those of you still watching, thank you for (laughs) tuning this along. I, I don't think Brandon or I, either one, wanted to come across as, as condemning or getting on to anybody. I think we just kind of want to remind, maybe even just ourselves, 
uh, as much as anybody else is watching this, like this, this faith stuff is not just about us. Hmm. It is it, it, our, our faith. We believe in God. We believe the story of Jesus be true. We believe the spirit lives in us. Do we believe not only that our sins are forgiven, but that other people need their sins forgiven, that there is a possibility of people spending eternity completely separated from God. And if we believe that, then what are we willing to do about that? Hmm. And, um, and, and again, that's part of the job description, you know, uh, to, to offer freedom from sin, um, for the people that need it, but also this, this connection, this blessed life now, like looking at where people are now and going, man, I see you're struggling. I see you're hurting. I see you're questioning. I know where, where some of that can get answers. These aspects of your life can be better. And it's with Jesus right here. Now, even beyond just the, the <laughs> eternal life part. I mean, that's huge, but even now while you're here living on this earth. And if we, if we really, to what you were saying a second ago, Brandon, if we really love people around us that much, why would we not want to show them yeah. where they could get that? That should be our passion. Mm-hmm. And we shouldn't be ashamed of it. And we shouldn't be afraid. Not that we won't be, but we shouldn't. Pray, pray for boldness. Pray exactly. that we can be the kind of Christian that God wants us to be, the kind of Jesus follower that he wants us to be. Absolutely. Loud, loud and proud and not ashamed of the gospel, Romans one sixteen. <laughs> Yep. Gosh. All right. Well, we are, I think we're a little over our time, but that's okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I we could. On this time, so I don't know. Like. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't either. Oh, we're out in no man's land right now. Yeah. Uh, but we can either uh, continue discussion because I know there's a couple other things that we want to touch on and stuff too. Uh, but um, yeah, we can either just continue discussion next week or kind of go from there and just see what happens. But thank you guys for tuning in with us tonight. Uh, we're excited. Uh, you know, about what's coming in the future. Uh, hopefully we're all kind of looking forward to school starting back up and maybe some kind of nor- normalcy that'll be coming our way. So we're looking yeah. to do that with Flagstone as well. So yeah. you guys for being with us. Uh, we'll be praying for you guys. Absolutely. Love you guys. Have a great rest of the week. Thank you.